Lecture 11, The Three Guests. It is the heat of the day, blistering and dry. Abraham is sitting in the opening of his tent, probably the coolest place to be at the time, protected from the sun by the tent, but hoping to catch a minor breeze or movement of air. It was a time of rest, for the heat was too oppressive to move or to work. No doubt it was so bright out that Abraham was not looking up at the sky or even out into the distance, but down at the ground where he could rest his eyes. But something causes him to raise his eyes, and when he looks up, he sees three men. Through the shimmering heat waves, they are simply standing there. How do you respond to strangers? Abraham runs, bows to the ground, and then offers them the best of what he has. He was living hand-to-mouth in a terrifying heat, and yet he runs out into the heat and offers hospitality. He recognizes the three men as God. This is a radical concept. Instead of being threatened and suspicious of the visitors, Abraham treats them as God himself. Centuries later, St. Benedict would instruct the monks in his order to do the same, to treat each person who enters the monastery as if they might be Christ himself. If we do not know when Christ will come again, this should cause an acute awareness and a kind of alert hospitality that changes a person's life. Each human being that we encounter could be the Holy One, could be the one we have waited for our whole lives. Each person, every person. Thus we gaze at all people with love and trust, with care and devotion. This kind of worldview, if implemented, would change the face of the earth. It's the antithesis of what we're doing currently while the coronavirus rages. We're just afraid to even be in one another's presence as if the stranger is dangerous, which in some way, physically, they are. Abraham calls the three strangers, my Lord. Was Abraham conscious of the singularity of the three? Was he aware of the concept of the Trinity? Was he speaking to just one of them, perhaps the largest or the most obvious leader of the three? But why would he not address all three persons when he's so polite and so gracious? It seems that Abraham somehow, instinctively, knew that these three men were one and that they were God. He addresses them, my Lord, and he rushes out of the tent into the heat and the direct sun, and he falls on his knees before them. Abraham begs them to allow him to give them bread and water. He wants to wash their feet and invites them to lie down in the shade under the tree. He begs them to allow him to care for them. My Lord, he says, if, you have found, if I have found favor in your eyes, please do not go past your servant. Abraham is clear that to care for these strangers will bless him in ways that he cannot understand. If they will allow him to host them, he himself will be the beneficiary. There is a wisdom in hospitality that is ancient. The sign of civilization and of the advancement of culture can be measured in how we treat the people we do not know, the people who come to us as strangers and ask for our help. 
Jesus will reinforce this concept centuries later when he stresses that caring for your family and for the people that you love is not good enough. Even sinners do that. But love your neighbor, love the stranger and the one who hates you. Care for those who show up at your tent flap or at your doorstep, and you will fulfill your own true nature. Abraham begins with gentle hospitality. He offers a little water and a morsel of bread to be given to the guests while he has time to prepare a feast. Help them get comfortable, wash their feet under the shade of a tree, let them drink a little and eat of an appetizer of sorts. He gets them settled, and then the scripture indicates that he, as host, rushes about. The word fetch is used four times in rapid succession, and the word hurry is used three times. Abraham knows how to delegate. He orders Sarah to knead flour into loaves. He finds a tender calf and gets a boy to kill it and cook it. He himself gets curds and milk and lays this feast before his guests under the tree. He himself does not eat this sumptuous feast, but stands over them as protector and benefactor. It seems awkward for him to stand over his guests, but he does so silently, allowing them to eat in peace and with his protection. It seems that the guests finish eating this delicacy, and then they begin to speak. The first thing they do is reveal that they know the name of his wife, Sarah, and they ask for her, Where is Sarah, your wife? And Abraham responds there, in the tent. It would not have been customary for the wife to be seen by the stranger, so she hides in the tent, but is no doubt listening to everything with rapt attention, for this is no doubt the most interesting thing that has happened to her in a long time. The men speak again. I will surely return to you at this very season, and look, a son shall Sarah your wife have. And Sarah laughed inwardly. She couldn't believe it. It was impossible. She was old. Notice that she laughs while Abraham is silent. She says, after being shriveled, shall I have pleasure? Sarah is postmenopausal. It is physically impossible for her to have a child. How could she conceive, let alone carry the baby to term? And the men respond with the words of faith. Is anything impossible with God? Sarah tries to deny that she laughed, but the men are firm. Yes, they say, you did laugh. They do not punish her for her laughter and her doubt, but the three do call her out on it and make sure that she speaks the truth. Sometimes we want to hide from our own responses or our silly behaviors. Best to just be honest with God and admit them when we do something that makes us feel embarrassed. God sees it all anyway. Thus a barren woman will have a son, and this is the first of many such holy pregnancies that will foreshadow the birth of Jesus himself. For this kind of miraculous birth makes it obvious that the child comes from God. But doesn't every child come from God as a gift? I believe so. But only those who have suffered from infertility know just how miraculous birth is. It is not something to be taken for granted. This story of the welcoming of the three men will stand in direct contrast to the story next week, that of Sodom and Gomorrah. Here is a model of hospitality and kindness which results in God's pleasure. Sodom and Gomorrah are the anti-hosts, and they will suffer the consequences. 
Does it, in fact, please God when we give to others, when we welcome them? Hospitality and how we treat other human beings is, in fact, part of our spiritual life. How we treat one another directly impacts our relationship with God. Abraham and Sarah are given the one thing that they have always longed for, their heart's desire, the child that they have prayed for their whole lives, and they are given this reward when they take care of strangers. I don't think it was a coincidence that God appeared as three in this story. God was trying to show us that the divine actually is relationship and that we cannot know God fully without entering into loving relationships with other human beings. And to live a life of isolation or of cruelty is to estrange yourself from God. This relationship of love should extend to humans and to the earth that God has made and to its creatures. Abraham gives. He gives the best of what he has to God, and then God is free to give as well. I, rem- I am reminded of John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave. To love is to give. Abraham gives to strangers, and his giving brings God pleasure, and God reciprocates, and the giving abounds. Questions to ponder. When have you exercised hospitality to strangers, and how did it make you feel? What is your greatest moment of generosity? How did it impact your life? 